Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Pragma Lawyers. All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, News Briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to Our Close of Business. I'm Jordan Murray with your Wednesday afternoon headlines. A major Western Australian home builder has had significant sales caps in place since June of 2022, with the state government saying it will consult on reform options for the construction industry. A spokesperson for BGC Australia told Business News earlier today it had significantly reduced sales caps in place since June of last year, following reports this morning that BGC had frozen new work. Data from the Housing Industry Association shows BGC reduced its new home starts nationally from about 4,000 in the year to June 2021 to fewer than 2,000 just 12 months later. The spokesperson said the business is entirely focused on delivery of houses on the ground. Today's news comes after BGC posted a $42 million loss last financial year before then being hit by a class action led by law firm Morgan Althemeyer Legal Group. Staying with property news now, Perth's home values dropped slightly in February, tracking national data showing a slowdown in the rate of house price decline. CoreLogic's latest analysis of house prices shows Perth's home value index dropped by 0.1% in February. However, Perth's median house price lifted in February to approximately $560,000. Sydney's median dwelling value remains the highest in the nation at more than $1 million. CoreLogic Research Director Tim Lawless today said the stabilisation in house values coincided with a low supply of housing stock and a rise in auction clearance rates. However, he cautioned this reprieve might not last long given successive interest rate rises. And finally, a joint federal-state government event to mark the start of a major Perth City deal project has been overshadowed by complaints from the city's Lord Mayor, Basil Zemplis. The Causeway Pedestrian and Cyclist Bridge is a $100 million project that will connect Victoria Park's foreshore with Perth's CBD through a six-metre wide shared path. A sod-turning event to mark the start of the project's construction at McCallum Park today was attended by Premier Mark McGowan and Transport Minister Rita Safiotti, with Mr Zemplis a notable absence. Mr Zemplis did not hide his disappointment at the lack of invitation during a council meeting last night, detailing a cost breakdown that has been disputed by Ms Safiotti. The Lord Mayor also used last night's council meeting to highlight other events that have not included city representatives, having also reportedly been shut out of a sod-turning ceremony for ECU's city campus project last week. Ms Safiotti said there were protocols around events and sod-turning ceremonies, while Mr McGowan also rebutted any allegations of personal animosity towards Mr Zemplis. And coming up next, senior journalist Matt McKenzie sits down with Liv de Klerk to discuss workforce constraints in the aged care sector. At Pragma Lawyers, we help our clients avoid and resolve legal disputes so they can focus on what's important. We do this by thinking outside the square to advance and protect our clients' interests in innovative and cost-effective ways. Based in Subiaco, our specialist lawyers assist in all aspects of business law, including dispute resolution and litigation, insolvency and restructuring, employment and industrial relations, property and business transactions. To find out why Australasian Lawyer Magazine awarded us the title of Top Boutique Law Firm 2022, visit pragma.law today. Welcome back to our Close of Business. I'm Matt McKenzie, here today with Liv de Klerk. How are you, Liv? Very well, thank you, Matt. How are you? I'm going well. Aged care. Our population is ageing, and it's true to say that Australians are very passionate about making sure we have a quality standard of care for older Australians. So much so that 
spending on aged care has dramatically increased over the past decade and potentially it's set to go up quite a lot more as the population continues to age and we get a number of baby boomers move into an older demographic. But all is not necessarily well in aged care. Part of that was established in the Royal Commission and in the years since we have seen a growing skill shortage. Liv, can you tell me a bit about the challenge to the workforce for aged care? Of course. So there continues to be a massive workforce shortage in the aged care sector, which is a residual implication of the pandemic. And the people I spoke to from the aged care providers in our state all said there's not enough funding from the government to pay for rising costs, which is also an issue that was significant last year and continues to be an issue this year. And the insignificant funding means they can't pay for new workers, even if there were new workers, which there aren't. What's changed in the past 12 months? To be quite honest, Matt, the aged care sector hasn't really undergone any significant change since this time last year. There have been reforms introduced in the past 12 months, an example being the Serious Incident Response Scheme being introduced into home care as well as residential care where it already existed. But despite little shifts like this, I found my conversations with aged care providers that they are still facing the same big issues as they were last year and that hasn't really been much change in that area, those issues being the funding and the workforce shortage. But from reading your story, it looks like there will be some big changes in the year ahead and one of them was a regulatory reform about care minutes. Take us through what's happening there. Yes, so a significant change is planned for this October with the mandatory care minute reform. So basically, when the federal budget was released last October, it was announced that they would commit $2.5 billion to introduce a reform to the aged care sector, which would mandate the delivery of at least 200 minutes, which is three hours and 20 minutes of care per resident per day. And this package is coming into effect on the 1st of October. From what I've heard, this reform is supposed to improve the sector nationally. However, it requires more staff to actually deliver. And like I mentioned earlier, there is no staff. There are no workers. So providers have kind of reached a point where they're trying to find new ways to attract more workers and retain those workers. And this seems to be a problem right across the economy at the moment. You can't get workers to build a house. You can't get workers to drive a truck. You can't get workers to build a mine. You can't get workers in your hospitals and you can't get workers in your aged care facilities. And it's perhaps something that correlates with an environment where you've got a lot of inflation. So what strategies are aged care providers taking to try to rebuild the workforce for their sector? So when I reached out and spoke with the CEOs of some aged care providers in WA, something they all said was how eager they are to work more closely with the federal government when it comes to finding solutions for the workforce issue. What I also gathered through speaking with these people was that the federal government doesn't really communicate with them as much as they could to, you know, find out what they need or what they could suggest for improving the workforce. At the moment, the government relies on the recommendation of the Royal Commission into Aged Care, as you mentioned earlier, which there's no problem with, of course, but it seems the government could do more to connect with providers and communicate better with them. But while they're waiting for that to happen, I discovered most aged care providers in our state are coming up with their own solutions to re-energise the workforce. Can you take us through what some of these look like? 
Bethany Aged Care is looking at securing long-term partnerships with universities and TAFEs and other training providers to basically bring in students who are unqualified and then pay for their training and help them to attain the appropriate certificate. And I believe this offer would help to speed up training and get students into the workforce more quickly as it's a kind of more direct route into enrolled nursing and then registered nursing and essentially makes the pathway easier and therefore more attractive. Bethany is also going to be attracting people from other sectors like hospitality and retail and try and promote aged care work to these people. And they even want to speak with mothers groups and parent groups to see if there's a potential workforce to tap into there for parents who want to return to work in a job with more flexible hours so they can still go pick up their kids at three o'clock. Another aged care provider strategy for overcoming the workforce shortage is Brightwater Care Group's research into the implementation and the benefits of that into technology especially in the form of virtual care. This would basically mean those residents who would usually receive in-home services from Brightwater carers at their own house would instead receive virtual care, meaning those residents can be checked on via technology. Now, I'm not actually too certain whether this will be by phone or through an iPad or some other device, but I guess Brightwater is still researching the logistics of this service themselves anyway. The chief executive, Catherine Stoddart, said this new service would basically check in on a resident and do things like oversee if the person is a falls risk or whether they've taken their medic medicine or gotten out of bed that morning and that sort of thing. And those are just true providers. There are many others embarking on innovative strategies to promote aged care work and attract that missing workforce. Yeah, those sound like two things that could be very effective. I've um, often said on this podcast that uh, with stuff like this, you've got to start embracing technology to try to really expand the, the capability. And also interesting on what's happening with universities and tapes, trying to get that pipeline of workers in. So there's a clear gap, you've said, in the aged care workforce, but there still seem to be some providers opening new facilities. Could you tell me about those? Yes, so Bethany, who I just mentioned before, has actually tested out their strategy of tapping into the potential workforce within universities and TAFEs with their new aged care home in Dalyalup, which is just south of Bunbury. They've also engaged with local high schools for this too, I believe, and have been surprisingly successful with their recruitment. When I met with the chief executive of Bethany, Chris Howe, he actually had just returned from down south to Perth from hosting an orientation in Dalyalup for 35 staff, which is impressive considering the current workforce. He did say to me not to get misled by this though, because for the most part, they are still struggling with workers as much as anyone else in the sector. But it seems that this strategy Bethany is pursuing has been working and it will mean they can hopefully open their Dalyalup aged care facility in March as planned. Aegis Aged Care is also opening a new facility this year called Aegis Health Murdoch, which is supposed to offer an incorporation of healthcare with mental health and medical health as well as aged care. The aged care section is apparently going to open 182 beds, but whether that will actually all be filled is the question, because even though Aegis is the biggest aged care provider in WA, no one is safe from the workforce shortage realistically. So whether they can employ enough staff to actually tend to 182 elderly people under their care, that will be interesting to see. I wasn't able to speak with Aegis directly to ask how they plan to deliver this facility. So I'm not sure how they'll manage this, but I guess time will tell. And isn't it one of the big questions that we've got to resolve as a society? As our population gets older, how do we make sure we have the people and the capability to give them the best retirement and beyond possible. Liv, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au. Today's episode of Our Close of Business is sponsored by Pragma Lawyers.